Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another episode of the Ots and Audibles podcast. Eric Scopel, Jared Mack here hosting the show, but we are joined by a very special guest. Oregon strength and conditioning coach Wilson Love is joining us on the show. He's very generous to give us 15, 20 minutes of his time. Uh, he's on the show. This is an audio only podcast, but he's wearing his all his Oregon gear. And I can tell he's excited to be out here, coach. Uh, first off, just thanks for joining the show. And then secondly, just kind of what's it like being in Eugene? We we're just talking about it before we were recording, but kind of give us the, the rundown. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on here today. Um, I mean, Eugene's awesome. You know, obviously I'm from the South, so I've never really been past Mississippi ever in my life when it comes to living or anything. So, you know, it was definitely an adjustment, but it was an easy adjustment just by what Coach Laning's created here. You know, the people in the town have been awesome. Rob Mullins has set up a really good situation for us here. It really is a blessing. And the strength staff that's already been here, that's in our staff now, they really had open arms. And it's been such an awesome adjustment for my family, my wife, Alexis, my daughter, Penelope. You know, it, it's been the best. And it's beautiful out here. You know, it's been incredible. I want to get into some of the personal relationships you had previously coming here. But you mentioned a thing that I think is kind of important in terms of Shad having been here before. Um, just kind of that relationship and having that in place, was that, how did that benefit you kind of getting the ground running? Because obviously when you get out to a new school, you've been at Mississippi for a while, maybe there can be some touch and go with kind of set, you know, establishing relationships, but how much did Shad kind of help get all that set up? Cause he's been here for three or four years. Right. Shad had a huge part of it too. And we have another guy on staff coach, Mark Davis, that we right. that I decided to retain as well. You know, I've been trying to hire Shad for three years. So I finally got him, you know, I told him you're mine now, baby. So I finally got you. But, um, <laughs> But no, it, they've been incredible. You know, when I first took this job and I called them, they've, they've been the best, you know, because they serve the kids. They're all about the players. And then the day, us as strength staff, we put our egos to the side. We're going to do whatever we can to give a blueprint to these kids on, but more importantly, off the field to be the best version of them to succeed. And, you know, Shad had a huge part of that to help me out. And it's been incredible. Coach, just want to you know, say thanks again for jumping on the podcast with us. Uh, I'm going to jump into that relationship section that Eric kind of talked about. Just want to know, um, you know, how you and Dan Lanning really got to know each other. I mean, you guys were on the same staff at Bama, which I'll, I'll ask about later. I got, I got a question about that. But just how did that grow and um, how did you guys stay close? And then, you know, once he gave you that phone call, what was that like, too? Right. So I first met uh, Coach Lanning at Alabama. We actually shared an office. We had like five of us. I was, at the time, I didn't know if I wanted to be a D-line coach or a strength coach. So it was actually – I actually had a little computer area in the same room he did. So we got to know each other really well with his wife, Sophia, and all his kids. So it's kind of awesome seeing them grow up since their times in Tuscaloosa now. But, you know, Coach Lanning, I've always kind of stayed in touch with, but it wasn't like something that we always talked. It was once, twice a year, just kind of gave a message. And he gave me the call to 
to see if I was interested. And from there, I was like, wow. I mean, because I know everything that Coach Lanning represents, who he is as a person, how he's all about the kids. And just, you know, you want to surround yourself. But more importantly, I want to surround myself, my family, around somebody like that, you know. And, and once he gave me the opportunity, and I went with it. Just going to follow up on that. You mentioned having an office right next to him, you know, maybe close by. You don't have to, I guess, appropriate stories. But, like, what are some of the funny – like, do you have any funny stories about Coach Landon? Because I think we're trying to get to know him out here. We've had a couple guests on who've helped us with that. But kind of tell us a little bit maybe what Dan's like when he's not coaching football. Oh, man, he's awesome. He's a real person. He's funny. He's got great jokes. Um, he's easy person to get along with. And, you know, he's as real as real gets. And, you know, that's who doesn't want to be with, around real people, you know, who are authentic and always going to be themselves. And Coach Lanning's pretty awesome. He's a funny dude. And so when, when he reached out, and I'm actually, I don't know exactly what the process was of, of kind of recruiting you to Oregon to be the new strength coach, how, kind of talk us through that decision for you and kind of what factors went into it. I know you touched on a little bit of the relationship with him and how that was attractive, but how difficult was it? Because you've been, you know, in a, I think Lane's a guy you'd worked for at a couple different spots, kind of what was, what was that process like for you? Yeah, you know, guys, this was a very, very tough decision, you know, because Coach, Coach Kiffin means the world to me. I was with him for eight years. You know, and, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to leave him, you know, and I was had such a great opportunity to be with him. So it really was a tough decision because the people in Oxford, Mississippi were incredible. And my daughter was born there, you know, and I've only been with Coach Kiffin. So I was wondering if I know that was a really tough decision. And it just came down to it. I thought it was time for a change. But the best change for me was a guy like Coach Lane. And, um, you know, it was really, really tough. And, you know, he gave me the call. Um, and I just went with it, you know, because I didn't want one of those things. I had to think about it for a week or so. I was like, I knew what I wanted once that call came. Because you just have that gut feeling, you know, when God kind of shows you your path, you know, you're going to jump on that path. So it really was a blessing uh, to get that call. I'm so happy I'm here. Coach, you talked about how you might have the choice between being a defensive line coach or a strength coach. You know, you, you played at Bama now as a strength coach. How did you being a player, how has that helped you in, in uh, in training regiments and stuff like that for the program? Well, it plays a huge role, you know, because you always as a coach, you never can take the player's perspective out of it. Always look back to see how was it when you were playing, when a coach treats you like that, when you're a player, how did it affect you? And I think that plays a really big role, you know, and not saying you have to play college football to be a great strength coach. I mean, that's not the case at all. But I feel like it's really, it really helped me understand the game, see the perspective of a player, you know, and it really helps me how I relate to the kids, how I talk to them and certain things. So I did play a huge role and I think it helps me every single day, you know, and that's been a blessing. Kind of to that, you mentioned it was a choice between the two. I don't think you've told us why, why was, why was, why would, why did you choose to be a strength coach? It's an interesting pathway for somebody who's obviously had an opportunity to coach positionally. What was kind of led you here? I think it takes a certain kind of personality probably. Right. And I knew my, my, one of my biggest mentors in life is Coach uh, Scott Cochran, you know, and uh, I always loved him. And the thing is, it really came down to it, when you're a position coach, you really can only impact the guys in your room. As a strength coach, you can impact the whole team. And I really and I saw what Coach Cochran did for me as a player when I played at Alabama, how he impacted our lives and what he did. I wanted to be like that because that truly is kind of like we're calling in life. You know, how can you serve kids, create greatness with them, you know, and see them for three, four, five years develop who they are. Nothing wrong with position coaching. I love the line. I love it. I watch film all the time with it. But my passion I knew was being a street coach. So I just had to make that decision. You know, I'm happy I made the right one. Well, yeah, and Oregon is happy that you made the right one as well. And it just 
Um, you know, quickly, you guys have had the last couple of months to kind of get into the real strength training and bring in some of the incoming guys. Just what have you seen from some of those uh, incoming freshmen from the class of 22 and how, how have they, you know, you know, measured up into your, your programs here? Yeah, I won't comment about anybody individually. Uh, sure. I'll just focus on the team. But, you know, it's been a really good summer. You know, um, I, I'm getting used to the quarter system out here. But um, it's been a really good May phase and finishing up the summer phase right now and emphasizing some really good speed, individual development. But most importantly, it's creating that team atmosphere, that team understanding, our team DNA, our four pillars. And, and the biggest thing is championship-winning teams are player-led, not coach-fed. So, you know, our challenge has been all summer – Guys, it's time for y'all to take over. It's time for y'all, the players, to lead, you know, because that's the most powerful thing we can do is give the team to them after we train them and let them understand. It is, it, you know, it is the best thing ever being a team. You know, and having that organ O in your chest, you have to earn that. You know, it's not just given to you. And that's a lot of things, you know, as a young freshman coming in, you know, you've been recruited, you know, been told you're, oh, they're the best. And, you know, they're going to have to face some adversity. They're going to be challenged. They're going to have to be pushed. They're going to get out of their comfort zone. But not to ramble on, but the most important thing we've done this whole summer of everybody is for them to understand how precious it is to be a team and to wear that O in your chest that's earned. It's not given to you. I guess along the same lines, you know, when you arrive at a school, you know, sometimes you talk to position coaches and how they assess the talent and kind of figure out what they have. Do you, when you arrive at a new school, I know you've only done this a couple of times now, do you, do you take stock in what you have and kind of assess maybe – how you're going to specialize certain workouts or is it just kind of broad strokes to start and then you go or kind of what's the process Take me through the process of like January, February, March, before you get into spring ball of kind of getting these guys ready. So, yeah, that's a great question. So when you first get there, you know, you got to see what, what's the, this team's needs, right. By positionally, if it's an injury based stuff, if it's something that you see on, on, on film, you kind of ask the athletic trainers and the sports science people, what are some things that you've seen some area for opportunity with this team? And you also see their training history. You know, the guys trained amazing here. I mean, they did a great job. So you also, also want to see areas of opportunity. You know, I don't have some cookie cutter program. My program here at Oregon is all based upon what the needs are individually for that athlete and for that position group, because everybody needs all position groups have different, you know, emphasis on the field, you know, biomechanically everybody is gonna be a little bit different so our dbs are gonna be totally trained totally different than the o-line so you kind of break that down in the biggest the second thing is our movement assessments that we do with the kids our results that we get from those from any sort of deficiencies left and right leg and all that stuff power strength issues we'll adapt to that and put that in the program so to answer your question that's how we go about it is getting the data before we start um, so we can get it the right way mentioned you know working on speed as a priority and that you know brings another new face to the program and Jaworski Beckham just how has he helped you and then what's your relationship like with him going out yeah he's awesome he, he was with us at Ole Miss for the past couple of years and he came with us over here I mean, he's our director of speed I mean he's incredible one of the best teachers one of the best guys that cares about the kids and loves speed and loves all things speed I mean so what he's gotten what some of our players to do but collectively as a team how the average speed has gone up from compared to past years, it is mind blowing, you know, but the best thing about him is he's a teacher and he loves the kids and uh, he's done a great job, an amazing job for what he's done with us here. I guess I'm wondering, because you hear sometimes head coaches can kind of be hands on, maybe they kind of delegate and kind of let, you know, the different coaches kind of handle things. How involved is Landing in terms of interacting with you about kind of progress with certain players and kind of what he's seeing? Are you, are you kind of, is there back and forth about that with him or is he kind of let you kind of handle your own deal? I mean, what makes coach Landing so elite is, I mean, he lets his coaches coach. 
But at the same time, he also gives you a vision, what his vision he thinks for the program should be. And that's the thing, the best thing. There's no gray area. So when this job, I know exactly kind of what he wants and his vision is for this program. And he'll let me know when things are good and bad, and I love that. You know, and I think anybody wants that constructive criticism because at the same time, we all want to be the best. And he wants to be the best, too. And, he, you know, he lets me be me, and I'm very blessed to have that. But also, too, I'm so blessed for him to also give me the correct feedback and the vision that I need to be the best that we can be. I guess then it's, it's to, to your point, I guess, of your role is landing. It sounds like he lets his guys do his thing. How do you kind of delegate to your assistant strength coaches? And even to, I, I assume you and Jorsk are kind of working hand in hand together, but like how, like how, I guess, a, kind of walk me through the being the team of guys leading these people to get kind of physically ready. Like what's that process like? And, and kind of, you feel confident in kind of the people around you as well. Yeah. So the whole strength staff, you know, we're picked you know, based upon what they're really good at and how we do our strength staff is each, each strength coach is in charge of a certain position group. Like for example, coach Christian Tupo, who has been at Southern Cal for the past couple of years, he's in charge of all the, the mids, linebackers, tight ends, outside backers, specialists, you know, and coach Shad Williams, our assistant head strength coach, he's in charge of all the skill players. You know, and Coach Mark Davis is in charge of the return to play guys. Anybody needs to get back from rehab, things like that from injury. And I train all the big boys. So to break it down, everybody has their role. You know, the first day we met, and even now we meet all the time because everybody knows their role as a strength staff. And we go emphasize it. this from the nutrition aspect, from recovery. Everybody has their role and they master it well and they're really elite at what they do. You know, and that's a really good, easy way for us, for the staff, because they know the expectation. There's no gray area. They know their purpose. Rather than just them showing up for a job, you know, they're coming up here every day knowing what they're going to create. I was just going to ask a follow-up, Jared. Sorry, cut you off here. It's complicated sometimes. I, I think we'll – I think we'll probably have the same follow-up, but go ahead. I was just going to ask, no, is, well, maybe not, because I was just wondering, because I'm, I'm, I'm relatively ignorant to how a lot of this is set up in terms of structurally, is what you just laid out of each different kind of assistant coach having a position group, is that structurally pretty common now? Is that something that's been made more common recently? Kind of just give me some history on that. I guess maybe we did have the same question, Jared, but yeah. Yeah, so I really don't, I mean, I'm sure other schools probably do it, but it all comes down to, what our principles are as a strength program, as a strength staff, and we're going to train these players for what their position groups are. And the best way to do it is have their own strength coach on the, on the floor, you know, with them because their exercises are different. I mean, the wide receivers have totally different lifts than the D-line. But the one thing we have in common is, is the standard and the culture and the team pillars. That's what we have in common. But, but that's how you should train. You know, you don't need to train an OL and D-lineman the same way as a running back. You know, there's certain speed zones. There's certain single leg to, to, to both leg ratios that you need to do, you know, because you need to know the game, what the game requires biomechanically, but also you need to know what kind of speed those players need to develop, how much strength, how much power emphasis. So, you know, that's why we do it that way. This is maybe a mildly silly question, but I'm like, Eric, kind of just an office on how the whole strength and conditioning works is from a college football program perspective. Do you see the most – like, do you see the biggest gains in your players, whether that's speed or muscles, whatever the case may be? Do you see that, um, like, a directly after the season, or is that more of, like, a recovery phase, or do you see most of the gains in this spring and summertime that we're kind of in right now? Can you say that again one more time? I'm sorry. Oh, no, no worries. I'm just wondering if the, the gains that you see are, like, the, the, the biggest strides that a player can take, do you see that in, like, an after-the-season type of deal or in this spring and summer phase that we're in right now? Right. So, you know, you can see it. Our big thing is we're focused on long-term development, you know, and my thing is we want to see our guys peak in season. 
Um, now you see it, you'll see a lot of muscle size early. Guys will put on some, some good muscular size early. But the speed component, it can take a little bit longer, but you start to see it week, sorry, month four, month five, around this time. The guys have already made some major gains. So by the end of the day, we got to make sure our players peak in season. What does that mean? We got to make sure they're performing at their best in season. So um, freshmen take a little bit longer. You know, we take our time with them. We're going to totally break down how to move with them, how to lift, how to run properly. You know, and um, that foundation that we create, we believe in long-term development rather than this everything. That's your, you just peaked it so early rather than we want to make sure you peak at the right time. Because in the day, it's all about in season. You're playing your best. We're going to make sure we're going to peak then too. What's your role on a game day? I'm just curious. I know we see you out there at practice. You're, you're kind of getting guys hyped up, making sure everybody's ready to go before practice. We're seeing you out there during practice. Seems like it's similar stuff. We're not there for the whole thing. But on a game day, what, what's, what's the strength staff's kind of role? You know, a lot of people just think strength staff's is to get back coaches, but there's so much more than that. You know, we're right there with the players, you know, helping out with substitutions, what we might be able to do. Uh, always looking at the GPS um, live feed, you know, talking to players, making sure they're locked in, you know, and uh, – you know, there's all these different things, you know, when Coach Laney, when we get to that point, then he'll give all strength coaches certain roles and certain uh, goals to, to kind of bring upon it during end season. But I mean, there's a lot of stretching. There's a lot of stuff that we do um, on a game day. Eric, I don't know about you, but I got one more, one more question left. I think I got one too, so go ahead. All right, Coach, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this, I'm wrapping this back around to the, uh, that 2015 Alabama team. Um, just I thought about it before when, when we got you set up for the interview and how that, that coaching staff on that team now has seven head coaches, you know, at Georgia, at Florida, obviously Nick Saban too. Um, just what was it like to be a part of that team? And now that you have a couple of those guys like Tosh Lupoy, like Dan Landing back at Oregon and how you guys have, you know, that's kind of where you guys all started. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. They need to do a documentary on that team. But <laughs> uh, just, it was a blessing being around Coach Saban. And, uh, you know, Coach Saban's going to – he always brings great people around him, people that want to learn and people that want to be the best. And I tell our kids that. I tell our recruits this all the time. Surround yourself with the people with the same mission as you. And that's hopefully greatness. So that's what Coach Saban does. He's going to surround himself with the people, all people that want to be great. You know, and that, that was incredible. You know, Tasha's energy. I have a very close relationship with Coach Poy. And just seeing all those guys, I'm not, I'm not surprised – there's that many head coaches now, and there's even more because, I mean, that's kind of what he's created in Alabama. Um, but that's Coach Saban's Alabama. That's not Oregon's not Alabama. We're our own version of us. And, you know, um, it's been a blessing to be around those people that, you know, what, it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am now. I, I don't want to get hyperbolic here, but I know Oregon has a young staff, and there's probably a lot of people on the staff that at some point want to be head coaches. Does the culture – I kind of at Oregon now with Lanning and Dillingham and Tosh and some of these guys who are – pretty accomplished does it, does it kind of feel similar in terms of the meeting of the minds I'm not going to say there's going to be seven big time head coaches on the staff but could you see the makings of something kind of special with what is in place right now here oh without a doubt you know that's that's why we all came here you know with coach Landing put a, together a staff that incredible people that I mean everybody had options you know people everybody wanted all these coaches to go to different schools too so it wasn't just Oregon was their only option you know he got people that are elite but the most important thing that he did, he got coaches that care about the kids and it's real, you know, and that's the best thing about what coach did is getting real coaches who want to serve the kids, who want to create greatness for themselves and their families, but more importantly, the players. And what he's created here, I mean, it's pretty, it's incredible, you know, and we're so excited to be part of this chapter. 
Coach Love, we really appreciate your time. I think that's all we've got for you today. Maybe we'll have you on next time, next year around this time, kind of see what the first year was like, get a recap on how that's gone. But uh, appreciate your time. Good luck with everything and enjoy the rest of your summer. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good one. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.